We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. up everybody welcome inside the guilty as charged podcast my name is steven i am your host and joining me are my guys tyler and alex tyler start with you man how are you doing tonight stoked to be here talking about undrafted free agents and for those of you that are watching live there's a poll we have a poll question will the chargers undrafted free agent make the roster this year so far we have a whopping nine votes <laughs> uh 82 oh 11 votes 82 percent say yes 18 percent say no we'll see who it is yeah, it's going to be uh, really interesting to dive into this group. Hopefully, the Chargers can uh, keep that streak going. Although, it kind of had an a- kind of has an asterisk next to it because of yeah. Gabe Davis, who didn't initially make it and then ended up being promoted right away. So, uh, we'll have to see. Alex, man, how are you doing? And how are the Sixers doing lately? Uh, doing good. I've heard a lot less Heat fans talk since y'all lost two straight games. Uh, I was quiet the first two games, so that's fine. But uh, hopefully, we win tonight. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. NBA playoffs are fun, man. There's a, a lot of a lot of shit going around, and you know we got the Celtics and Bucks heating up. So, good time to be an NBA fan. So, uh, quick programming note for those who are watching: uh, I did do an interview with uh, Boston College beat writer AJ Black uh, in an effort to kind of get to know Zion Johnson a little bit more without getting to know Zion Johnson, if you will. Um, that is an audio only inv- inv- interview. Excuse me. Uh, so if you missed that, please go check that out on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. So I uh, had some fun with that one. Had a lot of fun with Jordan Hill getting to know Jamari Salyer. I think those are very valuable resources, and I hope you guys enjoy them. I, I was wondering because I saw that uploaded as audio but not video. So I was like, oh, man, what happened? Bigger, but I get it now. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I love those. I know the feedback for those interviews has been really positive as it was last year. So definitely got to check it out. Yeah. Absolutely. So we are going to have a a fun conversation today, like we said about the undrafted free agents um, that the Chargers have signed. Of course, there are 14 of them, and we're just going to kind of essentially rank them, not in terms of how they rated as prospects or anything like that, but uh, we'll we'll rank them in terms of chances that we think they have uh, in terms of making the roster. We split them up. So like I have five. I think Alex has four. Tyler has four. So we're not going to be ranking all of them by any means. You know, I didn't grade all of the, you know, defensive end prospect or anything like that. So we each have a, a few of them and we'll kind of give our rankings on the prospects that we watch. So Alex, we'll start with you um, and we'll go kind of bottom to top like we did with our, our prospect ranking shows. 
who is is kind of the the low man on your totem pole that you watched in terms of making the roster of course yeah um watched is a stretch because there's not a whole lot of footage to go off of here um with uh isaac weaver uh offensive lineman from uh, old dominion there you know are kind of like some clips on twitter but other than that i couldn't find much uh but to me, this is just one of those things where the Chargers have invested so much in the trenches this year, obviously in the interior offensive line and doubled and tripled down on that in the draft and before the draft, right? Obviously, Brendan Nugent and Joe Lombardi go out and get Will Clapp, who's effectively their backup setter uh, and also has guard flexibility, right? And then they go get Zion Johnson and Jamari Salier in the draft. So really, there's just not a whole lot of room for another offensive lineman on this team. Uh, and it's just particularly hard, I think, to stand out as an undrafted free agent. Um, the, the good thing for Weaver, if you are looking for him to make the practice squad, like, yeah, he has some flexibility um, at all three of the interior spots, uh, started the majority of his games at center, but also does have some tackle experience. So if you're looking for a guy who, in theory, plays all five spots, then Isaac Weaver can kind of be that ideal size as well so it's not like he's a smaller offensive lineman who just you know doesn't you know have the size he's six six 300 pounds so that's more than good enough uh to you know potentially earn a spot on the practice squad but uh for me this more just comes down to he probably has a better shot to make it than say andrew trainer who i think is going to be you know uh fixing for one of those tackle spots but like not much of a better chance just because I think it's so hard to stand out as an undrafted free agent offensive lineman in general, because you're not playing special teams. You're not going to make the big sexy play that everyone likes in the preseason, uh, like uh, John Brandon or Roderick Teamer, Austin Eckler of years past. Uh, so for me, I kind of have Isaac Weaver at the bottom here. Also, there's just like him having to move up another level uh, so for me, sure. yeah, I, I, I would have him at the bottom of the totem pole here just because of how much the Chargers have invested in the trenches. Yeah, specifically like the interior, right? Because they only have they technically only have three tackles on the roster. So, right. You know, in, in that aspect, you know, a trainer who I did cover and, and we'll talk about in a second, maybe he might have a better chance of making the roster yeah. because just, you know, sheer volume. You know, there's so many interior guys that are frankly already spoken for, like. You know, last year I was advocating for Ryan Hunter to make the roster, but it's like this year a guy like him is is there's no chance because all the mm-hmm. interior guys are are spoken for. Yeah, this will be a, a stretch. Maybe the chat could help us out. When was the last time the Chargers had an undrafted free agent lineman make mm-hmm. the initial roster? A lot of running backs. Scott? Some maybe, or was Trent Scott somewhere else first? See, I, that's the part that always confuses I me. I don't, I don't recall. I don't know. But yeah, it sounds like uh, outside looking in there. Uh, primarily, what position though did he play? Primarily center. Center. Okay. Yeah. yeah for what it's worth, he's six six, so that's hmm. kind of tall for a center. You kind of probably kick him to guard. I don't know. Yeah. Depending on on kind of the system there, but when I saw that he was a six six center, I was like, that's really freaking tall for a center. Um, all right, so I'll, I'll give mine here. So my fifth, again, I watched five or, or at least, you know, got some background information on five. Um, and so Brandon Peters is going to be my fifth one, the quarterback out of <laughs> Illinois. I um, There's there's a few games here and there. So Brandon Peters has actually was actually in college for six years. He was a three-year starting quarterback for Illinois after spending three years at Michigan where he was kind of a backup for Shea Patterson and McCaffrey and, and whoever else is there. So he was a freshman in college in 2016, which is just kind of uh, crazy to me. So um, initially you look at his profile and, you know, he's the number three rated pro style quarterback prospect coming out of high school. He's listed at six, five, 230 pounds. And, and so you think that there might be, you know, some kind of physical frame and stuff to like, and they're really just, isn't I think if, when he's in rhythm and he's making decisive um, timing based throws, he's pretty good. Like he, he has a good sense of anticipation. He has a good sense of of timing as Arjun notes couldn't even beat out Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson was the lowest graded quarterback that I studied that year that he came out. So uh, for what it's worth, there's that. Um, so like in terms of his timing based routes, I think there is some to like there. Um, you know, he is comfortable kind of throwing in tight windows over the middle, but despite being six, five, 230 pounds, his arm is just like pretty 
suspect at best. I'll say, I don't want to say weak because, you know, he's a college starting quarterback, but um, the arm strength is suspect. The arm talent is suspect. So I think you're drafting him essentially for his brain. Like he does have, I, I think he does show high football IQ and I think he makes good decisions and maybe you can kind of develop him. So there wasn't a ton to like from Brandon Peterson outside of like those rhythm based throws. Um, but you know, I, I think for me, like, I, I just can't see a quarterback making the roster outside of Herbert and Chase Daniel, maybe Chase, maybe Easton stick, but I feel like if they're going to keep a practice squad quarterback, it would be stick or would be, you know, somebody else. I just didn't see a whole lot out of Brandon Peters. And again, you know, he was in college for six years. He never truly peaked, if you will. It was just kind of average, which is, is not exactly what you're looking for uh, in terms of an undrafted free agent dart throw kind of quarterbacks. Like I, th- I think if you're comparing the two that the Chargers have kind of taken a shot on recently, I think KJ Costello out of Stanford and Mississippi State was was definitely a better dart throw prospect than Brandon Peters. Yeah, that's a shame. I haven't watched him, so I couldn't speak on the arm strength or anything. But if you're going to beat out Easton Stick, not that Stick is a perceived like brainy quarterback. Although he's not dumb either. I think you need some sort of physical upside, some sort of tools to beat him out if you're yeah. going to beat out Stick as an undrafted free agent this year. And if he just doesn't really show that on the field, then yeah, that, that seems like a tough uh, battle for him. Yeah, and we talked about kind of <laughs> the the Chargers prioritizing like secondary degrees. You know, this man <laughs> this man had earned a bachelor's degree from Michigan in let me make sure I, I get Who this would right. go there. I can't I, I didn't write it down, but he earned a bachelor's degree at Michigan. He earned a master's degree at Illinois and started another. So this man almost has three degrees coming into hey. the NFL. So I don't know, man. Like again, maybe you're, you're maybe there's something there in terms of like the brain. Maybe they're kind of grooming him to be a position coach. I don't know, man. But that's probably a stretch. But uh, in terms of on the field play, I just there's not a whole lot there in terms of upside. Yeah. Um, so I kind of remember this a little bit better. Uh, so Illinois, I think, actually played uh, Nebraska in like the first week of the season uh, last year, and so. Uh, that was a game where Brandon Peters actually went down and Rutgers transfer Arthur Sitkowski came in uh, and kind of actually led Illinois in that game. Uh, and then Brandon Peters had to like fight for his job back yeah. after he came back. So yeah. um, if you're getting beat out by a Rutgers transfer and not able to beat out Shea Patterson, uh, we're kind of having problems here. So like Steven said, I think there's a chance that like his his brain could help him here uh, or, you know, he could kind of get onto the practice squad as some kind of thing. Um, but for me, I just I don't see a whole lot of physical upside, which I guess is kind of what you want to see in like a undrafted free agent type of quarterback, like a Carson Strong or something like that. Give me yeah. some physical attribute to hang on. Just not much there. Well, that's a shame. Well, my next guy or my first guy is. Not going to make it, I don't believe, barring somebody dying. Yes, I made a presentation, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> nice. whatever. Uh, so James McCourt from Illinois. Yes, apparently everyone's like related to their same schools. Like there's always like a double dip in here for some reason or they played each other or whatever. So James McCourt, Illinois. Uh, if you want him on the team, you know, he's only missed one extra point. There's more in-detailed stuff later on for the guys I actually watch. I did not watch a kicker. Uh, but I'll tell you about his stats. Number two, I don't know why he's number two on Pro Football Focus's field goal grade because right below that, 78.3% field goal percentage in 2021, 15th out of the 28 with like 20 attempts or whatever. Yeah, Basically, that, he uh, makes it. That's a hmm? weird. That's a weird grade. Then <laughs> maybe they were all blocked. I have no idea. Uh, he only makes it if Hopkins dies. Like, and that, that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, Hopkins is going to be the kicker, and like. Even Vizcaino, who they eventually reverted to the practice squad, like they kept him on the practice squad. You're not keeping two active kickers. So maybe he's a practice squad guy. Sure, whatever. I'm all for it. He's not making the active roster. This was a uh, an easy one, I guess. Isn't uh, Vizcaino still on the 90-man no. roster? Uh, no, he's he just not signed anymore? with the Ravens. Oh, okay. I was going to say. So... Oh, in course. That means he's going to become like... <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. I, okay, so he's not on there. So he's basically kicker two then, unless they sign have someone else. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, only makes it if Dustin Hopkins dies. I think it's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. All right, Alex. Uh, who's your next name that you want to bring up here? 
Yeah, uh, I'll talk about uh, Raheem Lane from Indiana. Also falls into the category of still pretty unlikely at this point. Um, but he actually struggled for Indiana a little bit as a corner, uh, and then they converted him to safety in 2021, where I think he had a lot more success in general just as a playmaker, making tackles, um, had nine pass breakups and interception. Uh, and then, yeah, so this is his first. So that was, you know, in, in his three seasons prior, then in his final season, he ends up having uh, interception, three pass breakups, some forced fumble. So there's something there uh, to him converting safety. Um, just not a lot of athletic traits to notice. And that's what Brandon Staley really values in safeties. Uh, I think when you talk about obviously drafting JT Woods uh, or even going after a guy like Mark Webb in the seventh round, I, I think Staley values having that athletic upside. And it just wasn't really there for Raheem Lane as to like, okay, here's why you're going to make the roster over another guy. They're only going to keep four safeties anyway. So in the same vein of uh, only makes the roster if Dustin Hopkins dies, I think this is only like if Derwin James gets injured, maybe he makes the roster. Like that's kind of the only situation I really see it happening. Uh, and then maybe he's like your fourth or he's your first on the practice squad uh, in that sense. Um, but he, he's pretty good as a tackler. Like uh, I, I think he's fundamentally good there. Um but I, I just think there's not really a whole lot of athletic traits to stand out. And there are quite a few times just on tape where he's just not really fluid in his movements. Uh, so for me, I think he's kind of like the opposite of what Brandon Staley wants in a safety. Uh, but, you know, I, I think there's enough there to work with maybe on the practice squad or something. But obviously drafting JT Woods, they don't really have the capacity for another safety. Yeah. And, you know, this is maybe like you beat out a Loki Gilman for the practice squad. Uh, so sure. could that happen? I think that's possible with Raheem Lane from Indiana. But um, I just don't think there's a whole lot there, especially after taking JT Woods. Yeah, I think he's interesting to me as a practice squad guy. But, you know, right now you have five safeties that you've drafted and developed. And, and obviously you add JT Woods, like Alex is saying. So bit crowded. I, I would rather keep Ben DeLuca. Um, you know, at this point, he's kind of more familiar with the system and that's Tyler's guy. So I don't know. We'll have to see how that one goes out. So, uh, my next guy here that I'm going to mention, uh, is stone smart, the tight end slash receiver slash quarterback from old dominion. So, uh, this guy has a, has a crazy journey as an NFL prospect. Uh, he was a high school quarterback, junior college quarterback at Riverside city. So I don't know if anybody in the chat uh, is familiar with Riverside city football, but uh, this is that guy. Um, he started one year at quarterback at Old Dominion and then transitioned to receiver this past season and unfortunately did not get used a whole lot. He landed 17 catches for 187 yards, so zero touchdowns. So it's not like there's a ton of, you know, reps and catches that you're talking about here. You know, this isn't like Julian Edelman, who you had like a ton of evidence in, in terms of, you know, catching the football and stuff like that and being a weapon. Um, he wasn't even like a prolific runner of the football uh, as a quarterback. So there's a whole lot of unknown here, but his athletic profile is very, very interesting. If you sort his, his profile to tight end, he's like 89th percentile on the RAS website. So there's, there's some intriguing tools here, but I think in terms of making the roster, like he, it, we, he would have to, just destroy everything and everything in his wake in the preseason to make the roster. Because I think you look at uh, Hunter Camp Moyer, who's more advanced in the blocking department, or you have um, what's his name from USC that Tyler's going to talk about? Eric Cromenhawk, Hoke, yeah. hockey, Cromen, Cromenhawk, or whatever. Hokey, Hokey, like he, yeah. like he was an actual D1 Pac 12 tight end. Like, you know, Stone Smart is going to have such a steep learning curve. But I think his athletic profile is definitely something I'm interested in keeping on the practice squad. Yeah, I again, I haven't watched your guys, so I don't know. But my guy is not very was not involved much in the receiving game. So or is not sure. really a receiving tight end. So I think just based on profile, it feels like your guy is a better shot. But still not really not really. Yeah, I think you sure. do some gadget things there and things like that um, really quickly, Tyler, before you get to yours. Uh, some Sean O'Brien pointed out that Chris Dealman was actually an undrafted free agent. Well, there so. you go. I mean, <sighs> Isaac Weaver is going to be Chris Dealman. 
<laughs> what a success story, story, man. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that, but I also Dude, didn't really, I, I was really paying attention more in 2013. So sorry. I wasn't not as far back as some of you guys. Uh, number four for me, the first guy that I did actually watch Skylar Thomas out of Liberty slash Washington state. I believe it was three years at Washington state one at Liberty. If you want a guy who can be your do it all sort of safety lines up all over as I have right here in his whole career, 796 box snaps, 516 free safety, 754 slot snaps throughout his career. Uh, if you're leading off someone's profile with snap counts, then I think the on-field play uh, may not dictate a, a roster spot. But, you know, got to gotta mention that at least because that is a potential role. He is an effective blitzer, 11 pressures on 44 pass rush reps. For whatever reason, he's got an awful RAS score, but his 20-yard split is like 97th percentile. Um, I think that sort of does show on his blitzes because you can blitz him from a certain range away from the quarterback and where the quarterback has dropped back and settled. And he does, you know, again, 11 pressures on 44 reps throughout his career, I believe. So there, there is a role there for sure. Uh, but 41 missed tackles in three years. He had 25 missed tackles in 2020, actually. And then he, no, sorry, in 2019, then he sat out and then transferred to Liberty. But yeah, 25 missed tackles that year is not great. And then he is five foot eight and seven eighths of an inch and 184 pounds. Not that that's a reason you shouldn't make the roster, but if you're, if you're looking for something in a guy like this, you got to have maybe something else that's a little bit different. And that's just, I don't know if that's really going to cut it at this point. Um, so a guy is not great at tackling. You can blitz, but isn't the biggest. Um, but the, the biggest issue here, and the reason he's number four, is that like we talked about with the other uh, Lane, with Raheem Lane, there's just no room for him. You know, he, he could. Like if he wins a spot, it's because he beats out Mark Webb. And I just don't see that happening. It's just a crowded DB room. Um, if he beats out a safety, you know, safety corner, slot corner hybrid, that's be Mark Webb. I don't believe that's going to happen. And if you're trying to beat out someone just to be a slot corner, that's just your Taylor and just a more a guy they drafted, obviously, and a more intriguing physical profile. I don't think Skylar Thomas is going to beat him out. So, you know, outside looking in, there's a role for him if some guys go down. But to me, I just don't I don't really see a role where he makes it. He's just not a guy like a lot of zone coverage from him, which is fine. But you want someone maybe like Mark Webb, who did play in college, way more slot reps, one on one manning up. Thomas, not so much. So I, I just don't really see a spot for him on this roster right now. Yeah, I, I think in the same vein as Raheem Lane, there's just not yeah. a whole lot here. Um, combined with a bad RAS score, I didn't realize it was quite that bad. Uh, so for me, yeah, there's there's not much there. Uh, I will request that Steven goes first because someone forgot their computer charger. Uh, so he's going to go get it from his back. <laughs> <laughs> so I will be right back. All right. Sounds good. Um, all right, so number three for me, I do have Andrew Trainer, um, the offensive tackle from William St. Mary's. Um, again, not not really able to watch any film here from William St. Mary's. Um, this is just kind of connecting some dots. So, of course, we heard through Maddie that he uh, was a top thirty visit, and then he did end up actually signing with the team. So, I, I think there is some legitimate interest there. And I think you can kind of just see, you know, there weren't many top 30 visits that they ended up signing or drafting. And I think that makes a lot of sense for them. So he was a three-year starter for William St. Mary's after transferring from Illinois. Uh, he recruited to Illinois as a tight end and then switched to offensive tackle as a sophomore. So he kind of made the transition to college and then transitioned to offensive tackle then followed his position coach from Illinois to William St. Mary's where he uh, was pretty successful in terms of an offensive tackle. And again, talking about like smart guys with other degrees, this man was a semifinalist for the academic Heisman in 2021. So again, the chargers apparently really like smart guys, but you know, I think there is some intrigue in terms of his athletic profile. He's six, seven, three twenty. Um, I couldn't find a ton of information on his pro day. But from what I saw online, you know, Ben Fennell was tweeting some clips about him and he, he's got some juice in the short shuttle looked like at least according to some of the other guys that I listen to and respect. So uh, he's number three for me. I, I think, again, this is somebody that I'm more intrigued as, as a, like a practice squad, long shot dart throw. But again, they only have three offensive tackles on the roster right now. You know, there's uh, Slater, Pipkins and Norton. And then you have like Foster Serrell and then you have mm. trainer. So like, he's going to have to shine, of course, 
But if they want to keep four tackles as opposed to, you know, three tackles, then trainer, I feel like is kind of more relevant than Foster Serrell. I mean, like I said, he was a top 30 visit. He was mm-hmm. able to kind of show off some uh, at least intriguing traits and personality to for them to go out and still sign him after that. Mm-hmm. So I think they like him. I think they would at least keep him around on the practice squad. Um, but yeah, I think he's number three for me. Yeah, I was actually looking at, so right now, the only tackles they have on the practice squad after trainer. So it really is just Foster Serrell. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Do any of the interior, did Ryan Hunter play any tackle at all? No. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's, I mean, not active roster, but there's a good shot for trainer to make it on the practice squad. So that's cool. Right, yeah, guys, yeah, I mean, I think this. He, he, yeah, I was just gonna say, trainer could probably make the practice squad. Um, as far as they make the active roster, probably not, and probably becomes more unlikely if they actually do go sign a right tackle. Uh, unfortunately, Dennis, the Dennis Kelly dream is over, uh, as as it was uh, decided today, which is unfortunate. Um, but yeah, no, there. I think there definitely is some practice squad uh, potential there, just because they're so thin right now, uh, and that position, but. Uh, I will talk about, <laughs> of course, I get to talk about my Rutgers guy. Uh, linebacker Tyreek Maddox-Williams uh, is, is number two on my list, I guess. But, like, being number two on this list doesn't mean that I think you're still any likelier to make the roster. Um, but uh, there are some interesting things about him. Uh, Rutgers, obviously, uh, sort of used him in a way like the Chargers tried to use Kenneth Murray this year, where it's like, okay, he plays a little bit of outside linebacker. Plays a little bit on, uh, obviously, the inside as well. Um, and unfortunately, the problem with that uh, is that he actually kind of declined in production when they switched him to Edge. Uh, who does that kind of remind you of? Uh, <laughs> and also, almost the exact same body type as Kenneth Murray. I believe they're both 6'2", 240 pounds, down to the fact that they both wear the number nine. Uh, Sweet. So uh, there is a bit of a uh, Kenneth Murrayism to his game. Uh, but if you're looking for positives, the reason the Chargers probably ended up signing him, he was an academic uh, All-Big Ten team five years in a row. So in this nerd collection of undrafted free there agents we go. making, uh, we like he, all the nerds. He, he, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's a way that he can stand out. Um, but yeah, so he actually ended up playing, I think, uh, five years at Rutgers because he got the extra COVID year. Um, so for me, this is very much a bet on the athleticism kind of thing and you're sort of hoping like he can clean up some of the tackling issues he can clean up some of the lack of strengths he does he does kind of get uh washed on blocks uh you know in, in terms of shedding pretty often so this is more just like okay we'll see what he is you know maybe a year from now if he sticks around on the practice squad goes to training camp next year bulks up a little um but yeah i don't think there's much of a chance for him to make the team Aside from, you know, uh, he actually has pretty similar measurables uh, to like Amen Angbong Bamiga. So, like, in the event that someone like Amen gets hurt, someone like Kenneth Murray gets hurt, um, you could kind of like put him as your linebacker five. But I just think it's very unlikely that the Chargers end up carrying six linebackers. We know that they don't value linebackers all that much anyway. Uh, so, for me, he's pretty much only potential practice squad material after the preseason. Um, but yeah, so, uh, th- there's kind of like, I think his uh, 40 time was exactly the same time as Eamon Ogbong Bamiga. So really this is kind of a test of, are the Chargers high on him? Uh, you know, like we've been hearing. So if they are, then there's very little chance for someone like Maddox Williams to make the roster. Um, and probably still very little chance anyway, even if they aren't high on Amen. but, uh, yeah. So that's my second most likely uh, to make the free agent is the Kenneth Murray clone from Rutgers. I have gardeners right outside now. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll rock it. Like, oh, it's someone else for a change. Yeah, well, they're not they're not birds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, we'll see how that goes. Uh, number three for me, Eric Croman Hawk Hoax. Sorry, I don't know how to say your name correctly. Uh, if you want him, it's going to be as a run blocker, a guy that can be your sort of H-back role sort of guy. If Trey McKitty is your inline tight end, maybe, and he just stays in his same role and isn't that Steven Anderson role or any blend of it, there's a shot that it is Eric Croman Hook. From, Hook I'm going to say Croman Hook. I don't know if that's wrong, but I'm going with it. Uh, but even in that vein, um, Hunter Camp, Hunt Camp Moyer, 
Yeah, I'm really bad at this today. Uh, he kind of already has a leg up in that regard as well. So it's very hard to see him making the roster. This is a, but he's, you know, a good solid run blocker. I was impressed with his run blocking. You can use him as your H back and you use him as your inline tight end motioned out quite a bit. So there, there's something there with that. And one career drop on 45 targets is good. Now they were the same, like three routes, but only one career drop. <laughs> hey, you know, that's good too. Uh, not a great pass protector though. Run blocking like it lead blocking is like a fullback type. Sure. Pass protection, not so much. And you know, just in the passing game overall, pass protection, not great. And then just very limited at USC. He just wasn't asked to do a whole lot. You know, nothing really down the sideline, nothing really as their power slot, just kind of, you know, a curl, a flat, you know, not, not a whole lot there. So, you know, there's a chance that he makes it. If he makes, if he's going to make it, he has to beat out Camp Moyer, And then the chargers are going to need to keep four tight ends and one fullback this year. Like they did last year. I just don't see that happening. So there's a chance and I, I do see a skill set that's worth developing. I just, you know, number three, I don't really think he has a legit shot, but I could talk myself into it if I think about how they'll construct the roster this year. Yeah. And this is going to be, and maybe this is a little too low, I think, because, you know, I, I think if you look at this tight end group, like, you know, there's the running backs that we'll talk about in a second. There's the quarterbacks, right? I think tight end is really one of those that does have, you know, a chance of making it. And if Croman Hoke or Huck or, or however you say it can beat out Hunter Catmoyer for kind of that H back blocking role, I think he has a, a decent chance uh, of making it. So I'll do my uh, second choice here. Uh, I don't have a presentation, obviously, like Tyler at this point. Um, but Brandon Sebastian, the cornerback from Boston College, is going to be number two for me. Uh, three year starter for Boston College. He's listed at six feet and 180 pounds. And so I think in terms of just like physical profile, he gives you a little something different than some of the other guys that the Chargers have on the roster. I think in terms of like outside corner profiles, you have Michael Davis and obviously JC Jackson and, you know, Dean Leonard and then really Tavon Campbell and Brandon Sebastian. So they have a lot of slot guys, but I think Brandon Sebastian is a true like outside corner prospect. And so maybe that could give him a leg up. And so uh, he was an East West Shrine game participant. So the Chargers obviously met with him there. They were very active on that scene in terms of meetings and things like that. So uh, drafted Jasir Taylor, who was a Shrine Bowl participant as well. Um, Sebastian has, a, frankly, a crazy amount of production for what I view him as in terms of his film evaluation because he had uh, eight career interceptions, including four this past season, and 28 pass breakups over the course of his career. Um, again, most of them came this season, I think in 11 in 2021. So most of his coverage numbers are, are generally really good. Uh, he only allowed 55% uh, in terms of reception percentage. He was uh, he allowed a passer rating of 59.3 when targeted. Again, obviously the interceptions helped there. But I was just like really underwhelmed by his film. And I, like you look at the numbers and you're like, dang, this guy's really freaking good. And then you, you just watch him on tape. And I don't think he's a super fluid athlete. And I didn't really like his tape in terms of being connected in one-on-one -on -one coverage situations. So he has a small amount of reps as a box safety. That's actually kind of where I like him the most because I think he is most comfortable in zone situations, in read and react situations. And so I, I, I don't know. It's a weird evaluation because like physical profile, ball production, you're like, oh, outside corner. And then for me, like his best tape was as a safety. I, I really liked his read and react, his tackling, his click and close is, is really nice. So I, I think there's potentially something there if they're not super into Dean Leonard, if they want to keep seven corners, for example. You know, I, I think he's intriguing enough to the point where I would keep him on the practice squad at minimum. And, you know, he did kind of give me some John Brandon vibes, the, the corner from last year that they oh, ended no. up cutting and moving on. So, again, very similar, like, zone coverage, off coverage, potential safety reps kind of player, although he does have some really nice size and, and length to him. Uh, but, not, again, not the greatest athlete in the world. Have you had a chance to watch a Dean Leonard? I have not. Okay, I was just curious how they might have stacked up because I, I do think leonard's on the roster bubble but i'm i'm curious if someone can leapfrog him but i don't know and so they're kind of like the same player then well if you talk about like outside corner a little bit more physical well projected 
an on film outside corner, but I think Leonard could also be a better safety than an outside corner at this point because he does trigger downhill very well. But the read and react, the fluidity, the movement pattern stuff, that's going to take a long time. I think if Leonard wants to be on the field faster, it should be as a safety. There you go. So I guess that is kind of similar then. All right, Alex, who's uh, number two for you? Well, technically, I only did four. So this is kind of my number one. So I don't know if Tyler wants to go first and then we go back. Yeah, but. Go ahead, Tyler. Sure. All right. I got the presentation. Let's do it. Number two, Letty Brown out of West Virginia. Uh, I know this is kind of the popular one among Chargers fans because it's the easiest thing to watch on YouTube. But I, I think if he makes the roster, it's because they needed someone or, or they need someone that can be your more of a receiving option. I'm, I'm still kind of stretching things here. Um, but this is a guy who was flexed in and out of from, from the backfield, from the slot, whatever, to get the matchups that they wanted or to change some sort of coverage or blitz scheme in the defense. Like This guy was moved in and out of the backfield quite a bit. And I think in that role, getting 113 targets in college, not just as an out of the backfield sort of guy, but in the slot sort of production there, that's something that is intriguing. And though, even though his yards after contact average isn't great, he's right around where Brees Hall is, I believe. Um, But the film is a little bit different. Like I do see him running hard. I do see him earning more yards than even the stats kind of show. Uh, that said, the negatives and the things that weren't really talked about because you don't see them on the YouTube highlights, uh, 95.5 pass blocking efficiency in 2021 with four pressures and two sacks allowed. In 2020, that same problem, 95.5 pass blocking efficiency with four pressures allowed. Not a good pass protector. Like He is a kind of a liability. Unfortunately, I did not like watching him do it. And then also here on the stats, not great as well. And then five fumbles in 2021. So if you're a bit of a... If you're a strong liability and in pass protection and through fumbles, I just, it's very hard for me to see someone making the right. Like if he goes out in the preseason and fumbles once it's over. If he goes out in the preseason and allows a sack, it's probably, it's potentially over at that point. The margin for error is so slim and someone who's just not that great in pass protection, who has a fumbling problem. Like I know some people have suggested that Spiller has a fumbling problem, but he has like, with the four in, in two years and only one the past season, you know, Letty Brown ate the past two years. That is a fumbling problem. So if he makes it really, the only reason I have him over Chrome and Huck is I believe that Letty Brown can kind of earn the role, like without the roster being constructed a certain way. I think if they keep four running backs and I think they are going to keep four running backs, we sort of hinted that that was going to potentially happen when we did our roster construction video. If they keep four, then he can beat other RB four. No problem. I think Chrome and Huck, they have to keep four t- tight ends. They have to kind of change things a little bit. They have to assume that McKitty's only an inline tight end. I think historically the Chargers, like if you're going to win a roster spot, being a running back is a good way to do it. Oliver Newsom, Eckler, all those guys. But still, I think he's just redundant with the guys that they have. And while I do admire what he can't, <clears throat> what he can do, I just don't think he has a, a legit strong shot to make this roster. Yeah, he's somebody that I did end up watching as well. And I, and I like his running style a lot. Like, he, you know, he has a, a good amount of missed force tackles. He's a physical runner, seeks out contact. Those fumbles, man, like some of it is not even just like, you know, sh- bad luck. Like some of it is just like poor technique. It's just, you know, not super locked in. And I think he had two in 2020 as well. So the fumbling issues like that, that's not, not a way to, you know, endear yourself to a coaching staff and, you know, you mix in potentially being a bad blocker. It's just like, it, it's hard for me to project an undrafted free agent who's a bad blocker who has fumbling issues and be like, yeah, like let's get behind him. So uh, I'll get to one who's the opposite in a second here, but uh, Alex, you can go ahead and, and rank your uh, first uh, player on the list. Yeah, no, I mean, I just want to say about Letty Brown real quick. I like Steven's guy a lot better. Uh, he'll, he'll talk about <laughs> him when we get to number one, but I, I'm yeah. a really big fan of uh, Kevin Marks we'll talk about. But my number one, uh, not really like a decisive number one that I love, but I did go with wide receiver Trevon Bradford uh, from Oregon State. And before I watched him, we sort of started this conversation last episode when we did the depth chart breakdown of like who's wide receiver six uh, if the chargers are going to indeed carry five uh, six receivers i think they probably do five but if they are going to carry a six guy who is it and we were like well it could be jason moore maybe it's joe reed right maybe it's maurice two f's french 
right? Like you could kind of create these scenarios in your head um, where it's like that guy winds up as wide receiver six. And Bradford, I think, provides something a little bit different than the other guys do. Um, you know, obviously ran a four, five, two, not the best RAS score. The less we talk about his RAS score, the better. Uh, but I, I do think the game tape, there's enough there, uh, to kind of justify, you know, him getting a spot. Um, he ended up, uh, sort of with, I think 631 yards last year, 649 yards the year before. So not like a game breaking wide receiver by any means, but has put up enough college production. Um, and so He's also ran a 4.52, I believe, so a little bit faster than the Chargers receivers, um, also 5.9. So if you're kind of looking for like a short, intermediate range guy who can make things happen, that is a little bit different than what the Chargers have in their receiving group uh, as well right now. Uh, NFL Draft was lists him at six foot, and he's definitely not six foot from what I watched on the tape. Uh, so if you're kind of looking for like a shorter guy, that's sort of why I have him here. Um, and just the massive like doubt about all of the guys who could compete for wide receiver six. Also, a lot of the things that we've talked about with the running backs, I think also apply to wide receivers. You can play uh, special teams, which Bradford did uh, at Oregon State and still kind of have a chance to make the roster right. If you impress in that regard, it's easy to make that one big catch or one big play that everybody talks about uh, in the preseason, like we saw, you know, with uh, Chargers of years past. So for me, I would say Bradford's probably the most likely of the four I cover to make it, but still not super likely. And I think that's just, a, you know, how deep the team is at this point. I know we kind of do this yearly tradition where like an undrafted free agent makes the roster uh, every year. But for me, I just don't know what's going to happen this year because of how deep this roster is and the holes that are can be filled uh sort of don't seem like they would be filled by these types of players but if i had to go with a number one i do think it's trevon bradford out of the guys i did, uh covered yeah but that's such a good problem to have remember it was like damn rod oh yeah really nice oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely like it is it is the best problem in the world to have to see like we don't need undrafted free agents anymore but yeah it does kind of make this process be like uh, may, maybe the kicker <laughs> like there's there's not really uh, if Dustin Hopkins dies, but no, there's there's not really a whole lot to go off of here. Man, if anything happens to Dustin Hopkins, though, like please go get a veteran. Like, <laughs> yeah. if you kick seventy two percent of your field goals in college, I don't think you're gonna be an seventy three point eight. Oh man! All right. Well, I'll get to a player now who I do think actually does have a good chance uh, of making this roster. You know, at least relatively in in terms of an undrafted free agent. And that is Kevin Marks, the running back from Buffalo. Uh, so he's a fifth-year senior from the University of Buffalo. He mostly served as a complimentary back to Jarrett Patterson uh, at Buffalo. But, you know, he did end up being um, fifth all-time in yards. Or, yeah, fifth all-time in rushing yards and third in rushing touchdowns. And he was never really, again, a featured back. So. Yeah, you know, I think they Buffalo used to run it was a very run heavy offense and their 2020 and 2019 rushing attacks were prolific. It was a ton of fun to watch as, you know, an offensive line f uh, fan who really likes to study that kind of stuff. They did a lot of great things with him and Jarrett Patterson. So uh, his 2021 season did not go as planned. He was injured. They switched coaching staffs. The guy, the, the former staff all got promotions, and I think rightfully so. And the new staff kind of came in and did more gap and power scheme stuff, and that didn't really fit Marx's uh, skill set. And so I, I think he is more of a zone kind of runner. He's got great patience and vision as a back, and then he's really able to, to see things develop, and that's something that I really uh, noticed that stood out to me is just the way that he would find cutback lanes and find – opportunities to go squeeze through a hole that maybe wasn't there and then bounce it to the outside and, and make a play. So he's not the greatest athlete in the world, but his vision, his patience and his burst through the hole, very similar to Isaiah Spiller in that regard. Although Spiller just Spiller is a better athlete for sure, in my opinion. So I really like those aspects of his game. What really sold me in terms of his chances to making a roster though, was actually his ability as a blocker because uh, they would use him and Jarrett Patterson together in the same backfield in kind of a dual running back set. And then Marks would lead block for Patterson. 
And he would do a very good job at that. And then he would also serve as kind of the pass protecting back as Patterson would, would go out and run routes and things like that. So Marks is a very, very good blocker for a college running back. And I think that is something that lends itself towards making a roster spot because, you know, that's a primary special teams duty. You know, he can go and serve as the punt protector. He can go uh, block on the field goal unit. He can go block on kickoff and, or kickoff return, excuse me. And I think that is something that he can kind of hang his hat on is his background as a blocker. I think as a runner, you probably like Joshua Kelly a little bit better, maybe even Letty Brown a little bit better. But if you're talking as kind of a dart throw running back, undrafted free agent kind of player, like he's going to make it, he's going to make his presence known on special teams. I have no doubt about that. And I do like his ability as a runner. And I think, you know, we talked about the third running back options for this team. I think you're kind of looking for, just somebody a little different than Roundtree and Letty Brown. I think you're kind of looking for more well-rounded players. And so I, I think that's why I like Marks a little bit more. I don't have the same concerns about ball security like Brown and Joshua Kelly do. I think he's a better runner than Larry Roundtree is. So while I think Roundtree is probably a better blocker and special teams player, I think you just get a nice balance of everything with Kevin Marks in terms of what you're really looking for from an undrafted free agent, maybe RB4, possibly RB3, depending on how it kind of shakes out. So I like Marx's chances to make it. And I think if I had to pick a player from all 14, I think it would be Marx in, in terms of predicting a player to make it. You're muted, Alex. Okay, I was just going to say, yeah, no, if I had to pick a player of the 14, it would also be Kevin Marks for me. And in a way where it's like n not particularly close either, um, you could go with a couple of guys. But for me, I think Stevens talked about the special teams advantage that he had over Levy, uh, Letty Brown. And also just the fact that he kind of brings something different to the table than those other guys bring. Um, yeah. Reminds me, frankly, a lot of like a Justin Jackson type of player. Uh, they're both kind of built sure. similarly, um, have that same like shiftiness and vision. Um, also injured for large portions of 2021, <laughs> uh, yeah. similar in that regard too, uh, unfortunately. But for me, if you're talking about someone who brings something a little bit different, I don't think he'll really push for RB3, um, but the Chargers did keep four running backs last year. So that's sure. something I think to note in this discussion as well. If not, I think you look at him as kind of a practice squad guy. And for me, I think if you're talking about just between him and Letty Brown, Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, like the player who's most likely to kind of like hit that home run play in the preseason, I sort of would think that it's somebody like uh, Kevin Marks with his athletic profile a little bit. Um, obviously, his experience as a blocker helps as well. But yeah, for me, um, I, I think out of these 14 players, I'd also go with Kevin Marks. Yeah. And I wrote down, you know, just I, I again, I, I'm a little hesitant to say this, but uh, he kind of gave me like Alfred Morris vibes as a runner. And, you know, Alfred Morris had a lot of a pretty successful career in terms of what he did at Washington and Dallas and things like that. So, you know, comparing okay. undrafted free agent running back to him is maybe a little bit of a stretch. But in terms of like his style, the way that he sees things and hits the whole kind of just in a way that not a lot of people see. Uh, I, I mm. like that comparison. Um, athletically, he does kind of compare a little bit to like discount version of Zamir White from Georgia, who was drafted right in front of Isaiah okay. Spiller. So I, I think I, I like Marx's chances of making it. Maybe not as an RB3 like Alex is saying. Maybe he, he's kind of that fourth guy. But again, I just really trust his special teams evaluation because of how willing he is as a blocker and, and what I've seen there. So that really is kind of what sold me in terms of his chances of making the roster. So regardless of who the RB3 is, which it could be Roundtree, it could be Kelly, who is Marks most unlike of those two? Like who is he beating out because of his skill set that's very different than those two? I think he would be out Roundtree as a runner, but okay. I think Roundtree is a better special teams profile. Like Roundtree, mm -hmm. for all the shit that people give him, including us, is a fantastic blocker and special teams player. Um you know, Kelly, it's a shame that he has all the fumble issues, man, because I really like his the way that he runs very compliments Eckler and Isaiah Spiller rather well. But he's got the fumbling issues. Lady Brown has mm -hmm. the fumbling issues and I think is is too similar to Roundtree as a runner. So I, I think as a runner, Marks would be better than Roundtree. But again, the special teams thing is just going to be an interesting debate there. OK, interesting. All right. My last guy then. 
Number one is the edge rusher Ty Shelby out of Louisiana Monroe. This is kind of a because the roster construction could dictate it sort of thing. And it really does come down to them keeping five edge rushers versus four. If they go with four like last year, then he's just not making the roster. Like it's very obvious who the four are. There's no debate there. So if they keep four. He's not making it. But I do think there's like he's a strong like practice squad candidate for sure. Um, he has the requisite, you know, ideal arm length at 33.875 inch arms. Those are be the longest of the edge rushers on the team. Oh, so wow. there's that. That's something that Staley looks for. Um, he does flash a good chunk of pass rush moves. I think they're inefficient. I think they kind of flash, but they don't make meaningful contact. But you do see the dip and rip. You do see a club. You do see a stab. And it's like, okay, if someone can kind of work with that and either break it down and just teach him how to do it more efficiently, or you just refine what he can already do, I think there's definitely something there. Uh, you can move him. He can rush standing up. He can rush reduced inside. Um, he's great against option plays. You can put him in coverage. Not like, in coverage as a slot corner, but he had a significant number of coverage snaps working in different zones. And I think there's a lot of roles there you can see for him. Um, I, I do think because he's one of like Kyle Van Noy is a outside linebacker type who can play some inside linebacker. And that's his reducing inside Chris Rumpf, kind of the same thing. Ty Shelby, can it put both his hands in the dirt and reduce inside? I'm not saying he's great at it. There are limitations in power and anchor. But that that what well, that role is different than the two other edge rushers. I don't believe Emeka Egbule was doing that either. So you have a lot of stand up edge rusher types. Ty Shelby can put his hands in the dirt. Does have that arm length you want? I don't see him being like a defensive tackle by any means. But I do think because he can do that, that does separate him. So I I do think he has the best chance of these guys. If they keep five, then I think he's almost automatically on. To be completely honest. If they keep four, then obviously he's not going to be there. But he's something I would like for them to develop because I think there's a lot there. Does that say he's in the 98th percentile in the 10-yard split? Yep. He's an athlete. Well, sort of. But yeah, <laughs> he's a pretty good athlete. And then again, the coverage reps, moving him all over. There's a lot you can do. Yeah, 98th percentile, 10-yard split. So Damn. throw him on stunts or whatever. And that's, you know, it sounds like that's kind of a... Thing that Staley looks for in terms of special teams defensive ends too because I think yeah, that's Rump's, a good call. I think Rump's 10 yard split was like 94th percentile or something. Sure, I believe you. <laughs> cool, appreciate it. <laughs> um, no, he's gonna be an interesting player to watch, man, because I think they maybe could keep five edge rushers this year, you know, depending on what they really want to do with Kyle Vanoy. Again, I happen to think it's gonna be an edge rusher. But if they want to keep five, like I would certainly understand it. You know, you can, you know, have some, you can never have too many pass rushers is what I'm trying to say. And I think, you know, for me, it's him or Marks. I, I think it's pretty mm -hmm. far and away those two that, that have the best chance of making it. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think if you want to look at a player in the preseason who could do something, um, Joe Gaziano didn't make the roster last year, but obviously stuck around on the practice squad, played in a few games this year, um, you know, specifically kind of because how he flashed in the preseason at times a little bit. Um, of course, Cortez Broughton, one of his partners in the preseason, got cut, unfortunately. Uh, but for me, I, I think that Ty Shelby, probably that's sort of the way that he makes the team, makes the practice squad. Uh, and so much of, the, of these conversations comes down to, do they keep six wide receivers? Do they keep five edges? Um, and so right. for me, yeah, no, I, I definitely can see the upside of Ty Shelby and the arm length and the fact that he is a bit of a rump clone, if you will, on special teams. I, I think that definitely favors him. Yeah, and as DZ points out, uh, he's got to beat out Jamal Davis, who apparently Tom Telesco really likes. So, <laughs> going to be interesting there. Um, Alex, final thoughts on the undrafted free agents before we uh, wrap up today? I don't think any of these guys are making the roster. Uh, I'd like to be proven wrong. Obviously, we'll see if um, how the preseason goes, uh, how training camp goes. Obviously, there were a lot of training camps narratives last year that got proven to be correct some that got proven to be completely wrong like Tyron johnson yeah. um but you know i i do think some of these guys obviously have potential but i think the chargers roster is just at a different point than where it was in years past where you thought that maybe obviously the top guys have always been pretty good from like 2018 to now um but it was just thinner uh at the bottom and they didn't really have uh you know uh, safety some years uh you know that could really you know 
along the depth. They didn't really have, okay, a running back. So here's Austin Eckler, right? Or, or Roger Teamer that I think got their chance to show what they could do. Um, you know, so for me, I think it's actually kind of good that an undrafted free agent won't make it this year in a sense, because as much as you want to see that tradition and a guy make his way on the roster, you also want to see the Chargers have some reliable depth. Uh, and I don't know if they're totally done in free agency either. So that's kind of another reason that I, I think that I'm, I'm a little bit uh, hesitant on saying one of these guys will make it. But so, yeah, I, I think that you're probably looking at zero, but I could definitely see Kevin Marks uh, or Ty Shelby uh, make it like Steven said. Yeah, it's nice to see a roster where most of the backups are draft picks or free agent signings and like significant ones. So, you know, I, I hope one of these guys makes it, but we did come up with 52 out of 53 when we did our, our roster breakdown. So there was an available spot somewhere, although we all kind of assumed that was running back. So if Kevin Marks makes it, awesome. If it's Shelby, whoever, great, good for them. At the end of the day, it almost doesn't even matter. Forrest Merrill made it last year and then like was gone. <laughs> and then just like never 30 played. hours. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, like, like this is all Eric good Banks. and all. Yeah. Eric. Yeah. Yes. We're not talking about that. <laughs> ever, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, it really doesn't matter who makes the initial roster. It's really cool. But, you know, these guys will they'll work and grow and all that. So, yeah. I just yeah, had a quick I... question. Do we know if they're doing uh, three or four preseason games this year? It's three three it is three okay because i was gonna say if they were going back to four that would kind of make it more likely that one of these guys could like pop and make the roster but the fact that it's back to three um i I think that makes it less likely a little bit too yeah it's it's always going to be three from now on i is my understanding by the way the poll 110 votes so there we go uh 79 say yes someone makes the roster 21 say no I should have added it after the presentation because now that you know something about these guys, what do you actually think? Uh, but you know, Hey, you guys are optimistic. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it's always, it's a cool thing that the Chargers have and been able to, you know, have a good history of finding undrafted free agent, you know, hidden gems, if you will. So we'll see if any of them make it, uh, before we wrap up the show, I want to get, uh, things you're looking forward to really quickly in terms of the schedule release. We'll have you guys covered there on thursday um anything in particular you guys are keeping an eye out for the schedule uh release on thursday uh the houston revenge game is definitely one of them uh because we need that uh, <laughs> so the leak potentially that the chargers are playing the broncos the final game of the year i don't know if i should be more or less worried about that because i i don't know i was really worried about the raiders last year and then that's what happened so no, nothing in particular. I obviously have season tickets, so I just want to know when the primetime games are. You know, are they falling on holidays because they won't be able to go? Uh, I'm just looking forward to you know whatever happens on the schedule. Yeah, no Halloween games this year. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd say the two things. I mean, we know the teams they're playing, so there's no right. suspense in that aspect. I'd say the two things that I'm looking for are, are there any like extensively long road trips? I believe the Chargers have the seventh most miles traveled this year. Yeah, Uh, yeah, when I looked at that in the top 10. So not super concerned about that. But if they are traveling a lot, uh, particularly in like back to back weeks or if they have like three straight road games, that would be something I would be a little bit worried about. Um, But yeah, I'm mostly excited just to see. The primetime games uh, that are going to take place uh, and who they are, I, I assume the Rams is going to be one of them. We already know the Chiefs is one of them. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see the primetime games a number because I think going into last year, they had three and then they ended up having four because of the Raiders game. So curious to see how the NFL just values the Chargers at this point. I think it's pretty clear that they value them and the whole AFC West as like, you know, really potential contenders this season. But with SoFi, with LA, I'm just curious to see if, if that number is going to be four or five. Um, and if the Chargers are clearly one of those uh, top teams in the NFL that are that are going to get that treatment. Yeah, absolutely. I think they should. I mean, the game, the primetime games from last season were all freaking crazy. So the NFL would be uh, smart to that. And uh, man, Speaking of crazy, Tom Brady getting $37 million a year to broadcast is absolutely bonkers. Uh, yeah, uh, $37.5 million is crazy. T- Tony Romo's going to have to call his agent again and <laughs> get another pay raise or something. I know. Tony Romo's going to hold out from uh, CVS now. 
So, yeah, I'm looking forward to obviously the primetime games. And then uh, I'm hoping that there are some road games this year that kind of work out with my schedule. Maybe one happens to come over like fall break or Thanksgiving break or something like that. Go out and make a trip. I think that'd be fun. So um, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. <laughs> we got 55 minutes of undrafted free agent discussion. So really appreciate that and appreciate the work that Tyler and Alex and I have put in. So uh, appreciate all you guys and your support. We'll see you on Thursday for the schedule release. We'll break it all down based off of like toughest stretch and maybe do some record predictions and things like that. So really excited about that and be able to hopefully plan some trips, like I said. So uh, we'll see you then.